What is up, everybody? This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. I'm here with my co-host, Ian Gibson. We are on uh, Instagram. Oh, God, hold on. I'm going to mute something. Yeah, so again, repeating, we're on Instagram live for the first time because uh, StreamYard just made it available. So anyone that's on Instagram, thank you for viewing. Um, you know, we're trying to build up uh, the rapport and our, uh, you know, fan base on uh, the live streams. We do it through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, X, uh, and now obviously with Instagram. So you can follow us all on any of those. And um, what we've had real success with is with our YouTube channel, which all the videos are live there, uh, or not live, uh, uploaded later. And then we're we're up to about 100 subscribers there. Just the other day we passed it. So, you know, we started off with one subscriber to begin the season. And now we're, you know, that's, I don't know what percentage that is, but it's 100 times that, obviously. So... Um, I think it's a thousand percent. I think that's how that works. I'm I I haven't been as strong as my on my math lately because I'm not being <laughs> a math tutor anymore. But anyway, so let's talk about it. I'm wearing green. You know, it's wear green Wednesday. Ian is not wearing his green appropriately, of course. But he was there. I don't know if you guys saw uh, anyone that was on Twitter. Um, we posted some of the videos that Ian had taken when him and George got on the field after the Boca Raton game, uh, Boca Raton Bowl. And you know what, man? USF winning 45 nothing against Syracuse, such a huge win. I'm so excited for the future for this team. Um, you know, with the on-campus stadium coming, uh, they finished that practice uh, facility. Uh, a lot of uh, different facilities for the football team going to be built. It's just an exciting time for this team. Recruiting was uh, top 50 in the country. I don't know if we've mm -hmm. ever been that high. Um, you know, it was the highest group of five team uh, recruiting wise. Just remarkable all the way around. Um, a great finish, you know, a winning record, seven and six after going only having four wins the last previous three years. It's just I don't know. I to to describe it is kind of uh, indescribable, actually, because they were nothing. The program was like non-existent, and you know, Alex Golish has resurrected this program. And um, Ian, you were there. I'm going to hear your opinions about the game. Yeah. So the game itself, um, we we mentioned it before, but I always, you know, on the car ride, me and my cousin George, and I'm sure you thought of it too. Syracuse is very wounded, you know, head coach is gone and now, you know, all the quarterback opted down and they are getting Kyle McCord, uh, but unfortunately couldn't use him for the bowl game. He was on the sideline. Um, and I'm sure they were thinking there was some way we could have used him, but they were trying to, you know, kind of a wildcat option um, and trying to do what Navy did, which had some success in the first half against USF. And that was the part that I was most concerned about is that that Navy game, that first half Navy was doing a very good job confusing the defense, especially the linebackers. Um, and USF did not fall for it one bit. Um, USF defense, this was clearly USF's best defensive game, and I understand they literally had a tight end at quarterback. But even against a team like Navy, who runs that style of offense, USF didn't look that good. They were doing a great job, you know, finding the gaps, splitting there. They, the objective was to pretty much just play them up front 
And if they beat you in the air, if they ever throw it, they beat you. And they did a very good job, you know, kind of prioritizing where the attack was coming from. Offensively, just spectacular. You know, um, Atkins now becoming the first thousand yard receiver in USF history and well deserved. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, Byron Brown making plays happen. Um, very, you know, just the offensive machine was, you know, very was humming very well done. Um, and did a good job. That hurry up. You can tell Syracuse was not ready for that uh, type of uh, offense. And you can see this. I remember saying this in the game. The From the Western Kentucky game, USF, I think now, would have won that game. Because most of the time when that offense was going, the team USF was not ready for this hurry up offense. The team itself. I remember, I think we mentioned it before, the first two games, they weren't exactly, you know, in sync with each other. Now with that offense, you know, getting into gear and with these players now understanding the system, it is a, you know, well-oiled machine. Um, and they just exploited Syracuse's weaknesses. Overall, fantastic, you know, win for USF. Their first bowl win since the Birmingham Bowl in 2017. Um, I was a sophomore in high school when that happened. And they were wearing the old um, Under Armour, the, those really weird uniforms. Uh, Quentin Flowers, Marlon Mack, those guys. Um, and yeah, I think that was their first bowl appearance since 2018 in the Gasparilla Bowl, too. So they knocked yeah. a lot out. And again, we mentioned it before the show, largest bowl shutout ever. Um, and obviously, you know, in the offseason, uh, it was an amazing recruiting class uh, coming in. And the disparity, I wanted to mention that. Not only was USF a top 50, they were not only the best AAC um, class in the conference, uh, they were the best class by a healthy margin. I believe I remember, I think Tulsa and Eastern Carolina, um, Tulsa was second place. Eastern Carolina was second, but I believe, and again, you know, composite rankings, make that with what you will in scoring. Um, USF ranked 196 composite score. Tulsa was 187. That's almost a 10 point disparity in recruiting class, which is huge. I mean, in the SEC, Bama and Georgia, it's only like two or three. So when you have that much of a gap, it shows you're outworking everybody. Um, the future looks bright for USF. Um, overall, fantastic way to end the season and go into next season. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's a credit to Alex Golish 100%. Like, because, you know, Jeff Scott really failed us um, as a program and as a, a university. And, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, downplay him. It's just, it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And you know what? Alex Golish took advantage of it. And, you know, he saw from a distance how good this program could be. You know, he said it when he first got there, like, you know, the recruiting area, like, you know, the weather's nice year round. There's a ton of stuff to do in the Tampa Bay area. There's a lot of pluses for, the school and you know i don't know how long he'll stay i mean there's a chance that you know if he does really well next year he could be gone but with what they have going forward um even if he does leave it still would set up the school for you know several years be you know if, especially if they hire another decent coach that they can keep things going um you know but i i honestly the just the way that he talks about USF, and I know obviously people can say a lot and whatever, and it just 
you know, you can take it for whatever it is, but I still believe him. I feel like he um, wants to make this work. And, you know, a lot of people that like come to the Tampa Bay area and play for the teams in the area, they usually end up staying after they retire. And there's a reason because it's, it's a really uh, nice place to live. And it's a really great place to uh, uh, raise a family. And, you know, he's got young kids and it's, you know, maybe he wants to stay around. Who knows? But let's get into the CFP stuff because that's what the this show is mainly about. I know I could talk about the UCLA bowl game, but like, you know, sorry, Richard. I don't know if you're seeing this, but um, I'm not really big into the bowl games. I just did it for USF because, you know, it was a big win and uh, something they hadn't had in a long time. UCLA won their bowl game as well, beat Boise State. I'm just not going to really go big into it because it really wasn't that great of a game anyway, so it's like whatever. I'm just not into bowl games. I'm really not. I'm only really only into the playoff games. Okay, um, so let's talk about the playoff games. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is um, – I want to mention this one first because I don't feel – that there is a lot of competition in the second one we'll talk about. The first one we're going to talk about is Texas-Washington. So um, I feel like this game is, of the two, the more competitive game. I feel like there is a lot of intrigue in this game. Both of these offenses are very strong. Um, They put up a lot of points, Um, you know, Defensively, Texas has a much stronger defense than Washington. Um, Stat-wise, I mean, I went through them all today. I really did, like, quite a deep dive on both of these teams Um, stat-wise. You know, for Texas defense, uh, one of the things that stands out to me is scoring defense. They only allow 17.5 points a game. Um, they're really good on third downs. They only allow 26.5 percentage, uh, conversions on third downs, um, tackle for loss. Uh, they have 82 total for the uh, season. So it's like 6.3 per game. Um, their rush defense is the third best in the country. They only allow 80.8 yards per game. Largely, that I think has to do with the fact that a bunch of the teams that they've played uh, are usually behind in the games that they play, so they have to pass. So they usually like get out of the the, the run game and exclusively go to the pass, and that affects their pass defense, which their pass defense is ninety third. So that kind of you know explains itself there. They allow uh, 240.8 yards per game. Uh, it's 11.2 yards per completion there for that. Some of the stars for Texas' defense is Jalen Ford, linebacker. He has 91 tackles, 10.5 tackles for loss. Anthony Hill, another linebacker, 63 tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, five points, uh, 5.0 sacks. Um, one of their edges is really good. Uh, Ethan Burke, 8.5 tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks. Uh, Byron Murphy, um, D lineman, eight 
tackles for loss, five sacks, uh, two DBs, their best graded DBs. They have Jaron Thompson and Malik Muhammad. Um, I like their defense a lot. I think in this game, the matchup between the defense of Texas and Washington's offense is going to be the story of the game because I feel like uh, Texas is going to be able to score a lot on on Washington, and the deciding factor will be if Washington can actually score on Texas's defense. Lately, they haven't. A lot of people haven't been able to. Texas Tech got smoked by Texas. Uh, Oklahoma State got handled pretty well. So they're rolling right now. Quinn Ewers was hurt um, in the like latter part of the season and was out a few games. So the offense kind of like took a step back, but then he came back, struggled a little bit in that first game, and then the next two games he just rolled. So I honestly feel this game is going to be close. But again, like I said, the focus is going to be on can Washington keep pace with Texas I don't think they'll be able to. I think that Texas is going to win by like 10 points. I'm going to go with like Texas winning like 37 to like uh, 27. Let me hear your thoughts, Ian. Yeah, no, you, you hit all the pretty much homework I did too on this one. But I think it did come down to just the style of play of these two teams. Washington needs to make this game a shootout. Because if it's yeah. a defensive battle, we have seen Washington yeah. this year before. Defensively, they are not up to par with Texas right now. Texas, yeah. uh, I believe they are top – they're in the upper half of it. Not like elite top ten, but they're good enough to snuff out. I mean, if they're good enough to you know beat Bama and then Oklahoma State and these teams and really hold them, they, they can do that. Um, for Washington, a lot of it is the reliance on uh, Penix Jr., as great yeah. as Penix is, he is the engine to that offense. And we have seen uh, before when Penix is not having a good game, uh, case in point, uh, the Arizona State game. Penix probably wasn't sharp, uh, 275 yards, which was pretty good. But when he's not having a really good game, like, you know, against Arizona State or, you know, Oregon State, Washington State, and pretty much any team with a state in it, um, it's not, you know, the you know when he's not having a game it really anchors the offense um so that is what it's going to come down to that is going to be you know texas's main priority is as it was against alabama when alabama and texas played each other they completely focused on milro because he knew he was the most dangerous player you take him out you make it very hard for alabama to win now you do that with Penix, and for that washington the only chance they have they have to make it a shootout and when it comes down to that, I still think Texas has the advantage in that one. I feel like if Texas plays a Washington game, they can still win that. If Washington is playing a Texas game, they're going to get – it's not going to be close. Um, as great as Washington has been this year, I feel like Texas just overall pound for pound finds a way to win and is the better team. I'm almost exactly the same. I'm going to go with like a uh, – let's go 38-28. Make it some parody there yeah. uh, for the um, Longhorns. So the other thing I noticed that um, I didn't mention uh, was that Washington is the third most penalized team in the country. That could be a huge factor in the fact, you know, um, in the guise of just 
the flow of the game where if Washington um, is getting themselves behind the sticks and, you know, not being on uh, schedule to get those first downs, it could be a huge problem and could um, get them out of the flow of the game, especially, you know, the first like quarter or two where if they, if they aren't clicking right away, Texas might just be scoring at will. And then, you know, Washington is nowhere to be found. So, um, okay, let's, uh, let's move on to Alabama, Michigan. I actually might be able to go to this game and I'm hoping that I, I will, cause it would be the first Rose bowl that I could go to considering I live like, you know, only about an hour away. You know, when I was first moved out here to LA, I was only about half an hour away from Pasadena. So, you know, I've wanted to go for a while. Um, I have friends that have a connection to the the parade and some certain other people. So maybe I'll be able to go. I don't know. I mean, I'm not like trying to brag. I'm just saying it just, just to bring light to the fact that this is a nationally covered uh, college brand that we're trying to be. And if I can go to games like this, it's kind of good for our brand that we can be out there. So, um, but uh, no, uh, I'm excited for this game because it is obviously, you know, Florida State, Alabama. There was a lot of controversy there. We talked about it day of when it happened. And, you know, will this Alabama team show out? Because, you know, they're, they got lucky to be there, you know, like they, potentially most people feel, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of split. I haven't really seen one way or the other. There's a lot of Florida state fans obviously felt like they deserved it. And there was a good amount of people that were not Florida state fans that felt they deserved it as well. So there was a ton of controversy, you know, Florida state is suing allegedly, even though I haven't seen anywhere where there's um, uh, yeah, uh... kind of, traction with that i know they had the other lawsuit regarding them suing the grants grant of rights stuff with the acc so they can get out of the conference but i haven't seen anything regarding the cfp uh, uh litigation because you know rick scott and the ag for um florida were all up in arms and saying they were going to sue but i haven't i haven't seen anything for a complaint i've seen nothing i don't see anything like about like what's going on. So obviously it was just a bunch of bluster. Um, but um, let's get out of that because that's old news because now we're going to talk about the actual game. So this Alabama Michigan game, the reason why I do like it as well, besides just the fact that see if Alabama can prove that they're there. This is actually a very interesting game because it's two opposing types of offensive philosophies here. One with Michigan uh, being the very old school, uh, you know, Big Ten, uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, you know, run the ball 40, 50 times a game compared to this Alabama offense, which with Milrow, it is very unique because Milrow is extremely athletic, probably one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the entire country. I think speed wise, he's probably one of the fastest. I don't know for sure. But like watching him play, he is a, a freak of nature when it comes to speed. And 
him and the way he operates that offense is definitely, you know, where the new approach of offense is going of having a more athletic quarterback, being able to be more dynamic with the ball RPOs, um, you know, making a difference there. And, um, you know, I, I like Alabama's offense a lot and I'm actually excited because, um, uh, I believe Milrow is a sophomore, so I'm almost positive he's going to be back next year, which is, like, great for college football. You know, it's weird now. We're getting into the point where it's like, you know, um, you know, these stars uh, in the college level are getting that NIL money, and they can stay longer if they really want to. And, you know, it may be to the point where, you know, uh, schools are spending a ton of money to keep these guys, which – you know, it is a weird thing. I don't know if people realize, but back in like the uh, the early days of college football, like 100 years ago, that college football was bigger than the pros and that they mm -hmm. used to pay um, the college players more than the pro players. And so like no one even cared about pro football. And like it was like there was such a bit. They made that movie. Um, uh, what is it? Leather Leatherheads. Oh, Leatherheads. Yeah, it was with uh, George Clooney and uh, Jim Krasnicki. And um, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's funny that it's now it's almost coming back to that a little bit. Not to the same extent, because still you make a lot. You make more money contractually as an NFL player than you probably would in college. But it's definitely getting up there. It, it seems to be getting up there. But let's get back on the task. Uh, as far as Michigan's defense. Michigan's defense is kind of bloated or slanted because of the lack of offensive output from the teams that they play. They are the second best defense overall. Um, they only allow 239.7 yards per game, 4.28 per play. Only have allowed 14 TDs all year, which is not very many. Um, third downs, um, they only allow 30.8 completion or uh, third down conversions they've only allowed 165 first downs all year that's second in the nation um red zone defense they've only allowed uh nine offensive touchdowns out of 21 uh red zone opportunities passing defense again they haven't played a really great passing quarterback and not that milro is as well but it's just it's kind of inflated here where, you know, they're second in the country. It's again, they haven't played anyone. So it's really hard to to judge how good this team is. Now, I will say fifth in run defense is a, is is strong suited because they do play a lot of really good run teams in the Big Ten, because that's what mainly the focus is in the Big Ten is running the ball. So to have a good run defense there is extremely well. Um, so they'll be well suited for the run, but again, because they have not played an athletic quarterback like Milrow, it's going to have a huge effect. Um, some of their stars on defense, uh, Jalen Harrell is the edge, 7.5 sacks, nine point tackles for loss. Braden McGregor, he's an edge, uh, seven tackles for loss. Uh, Junior Carlson, linebacker, uh, 79 tackles. Um, Mike Sandstrill, four interceptions, six 
pass breakups. Uh, he's the highest rated uh, um, uh, secondary player on the on PFF. Um, as far as Alabama's defense, so and that's where it's like this is going to come into play, though. Okay, so Michigan's uh, defense is strong, but Alabama's defense is really strong as well, and I think that might actually be what sways my opinion the most here is that J.J. McCarthy has not seen a fast athletic defense like this and super strong as well. They have a lot of really good ends and uh, linebacker play. Um, they're, uh, they're, all their DBs have some of the highest uh, PFF grades. Um, and, you know, it's this Alabama defense, let's see, it's uh, 19th total defense. Uh, only allowed 28 TDs, considering there's quite a bit of offense in the SEC. Uh, you know, LSU is one of the best offenses in the country, and they played them pretty strongly. Uh, they've only given up 213 first downs. That's uh, 21st in the country. Um, passing defense, they've only allowed 188.8 yards per game, uh, 12 interceptions total. Um, I don't know. I really like this. Alabama defense a lot I think for as far as the offense goes for both of these teams um Michigan's rankings are not very high their total offense is 68th their passing offense is 72nd their rush offense is 60th like you know I I I don't know I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on this Michigan team at all I haven't been all year and Ian you know that I've said that all year yep. how I I just don't I don't believe in this team. Um, Alabama is not ranked that high as well on offense. Um, but again, you look and see what their results are. You know, they ran all over LSU, which LSU doesn't have that great a defense. Um, they um, they they played very well against Georgia. You know, that Georgia defense is obviously one of the better in the country. And, you know, they were in control of that game almost the entire way. Like once they went up by 10 points, they were almost up by 10 points the entire game. Even though Georgia kept coming back, Alabama kept putting points and putting drives together. Uh, Milrow, you know, extends drives, extends plays. You know, he does so many things. Um, I just feel like this Alabama team is so much better than this Michigan team as an entirety. Yes, there are some parts of Michigan that are very good. Blake Corum is a stud. They're, you know, the tight end is pretty solid as well. Um, their run game, obviously, I appreciate. But once this game gets into a 10 to 14 point game and Michigan has to throw the ball to be able to come back, like, I don't think so, man. I don't, I have no faith in McCarthy being able to put anything together considering how good Alabama's uh, pass defense is. And that's going to be the difference in this game. I believe that's just where I'm at. Where are you at Ian? So obviously you brought up the statistics and obviously I did the homework on that, but you also know I do the history. Um, and for a while I've always said it for at least for Michigan, they have really struggled against sec teams, especially with sec opponents. The only team they have had success in, Fortunately for us, it's Florida. So discounting Florida, 
who their most is technically their most recent SEC victory in 2017 in the uh, kickoff bowl. The last time Michigan beat an SEC team that was not named Florida Gators was the Vanderbilt Commodores in 2006. Since then, wow. Alabama, Auburn, South Carolina, twice, and Georgia have all beaten them. And the last time uh, Michigan played uh, or beat Alabama was in the Orange Bowl in 2000, Tom oh, Brady's swan song in Michigan. Yep. Yeah. And they have played them five times, about to be six, and have won that one time. So – History's not looking good for the Wolverines. Um, <laughs> unless the other team's wearing orange and blue for some reason. I don't know what it is. They got some hex on the Gators. But for Michigan, when you look at it this year, I, I do agree with you is that that the schedule-wise, it's been very top-heavy. They have that win against Ohio State, which is probably the closest to an Alabama-type team they will play. Yeah, um, true. And, I, and I, did, I didn't say that. And I wanted to put that out there as well, that – Ohio State is as close to an SEC team in the country that you'll get. And I, that is fair to argue that. And not only just an SEC team, but a top-end SEC team as well. So, yes, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, you, you're, you're totally right. But with the way Michigan plays, and especially many Big Ten teams play, it's very – I wouldn't say, like, super old school, but it's very, like, fundamental. Um, ground and pound, play action pass – you win on more, you know, chess movement um, than you do athleticism and skill play. Completely the opposite in the SEC and especially for Alabama. It is all about athleticism, skill, and speed, which Michigan has struggled mightily against with the exception they getting the hand on it with Ohio State. And that is the one key to this is that we have seen Michigan progress with, you know, these teams that are more skilled and athletic athletic based um especially on the offensive side but there's a big difference between winning in the big 10 and winning in the sec i'm sorry to tell that to everybody but so when it comes down to it is i feel like with this one obviously again what we mentioned with texas and washington milro is that you know the biggest key to the you know offense and with that defense i do actually believe the defense is going to make milro uncomfortable but that is going to what it's going to come down to is how well Michigan's defense can keep Alabama off the board. Because as good as you know Alabama, you know is on offense, and Michigan has been on offense as well with uh, Corum. I don't see them having as much success in that department against that Alabama defense. I'm I think they'll score, but not enough. So that what it's going to come down to, pretty much a huge beating around the bush here, is that. How well Michigan's defense is able to contain Milrow will dictate who's going to win this game. Because if Milrow is able to have as much time in the pocket and can find his wide receivers, Ali, you know, what Auburn did on that fourth and forever play, um, Alabama's going to, you know, win this one easy. But if they can get to Milrow and make him uncomfortable, and we have seen when Milrow is under pressure, not he, he's not the, you know, greatest of that. So, for that, Michigan has to take advantage of every opportunity they can. And when I mean every opportunity, not just turnovers. If Alabama doesn't score or they're in good field position, you have to jump on it because Bama has no problem giving it the other way. So I think with this one, Michigan's going to get to Milrow. But even with that, I don't see Michigan's offense having 
enough firepower to keep up when the defense can't stop every, you know, make a stop every drive. That's what you're asking in this one. You're asking Michigan to be perfect in an imperfect game. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I think Bama takes this one. I think it's going to be close, but Bama knows how to win these games. And they've played these games before. And I've said it before. Michigan really struggles on beating these SEC teams. They don't know how to win against these SEC teams unless they're wearing blue and orange. Um, so with this one, I think Bama wins this one. I'm going to go with a 31 to 27 win for the Tide. I don't think this game's going to be close. I really think that Alabama's going to get ahead early and uh, Michigan's going to be chasing the whole game. And if that's the case, then, you know, Milro is going to be running wild. They're not going to be able to stop him. And then McCarthy is going to be forced to make plays, which he's not comfortable doing. And um, if that's the case, then I feel like Alabama's going to win, like, at least be up by 14 by the fourth quarter and may put the nail in the coffin, like, midway to late in the fourth, like, go up by, like, 20, 21. So I'm going to say, like, Alabama wins, like, 42 to, like, uh, 21. But that's it. That's our predictions. Uh, Look forward to these games. They're on Monday. Uh, afternoon into the evening we will have a show uh hopefully tuesday uh wrapping up those games and then previewing the championship game which would be the following monday so that'll be that show and then one other show so there's two shows left and then that's the end of the year and then we won't be doing anything until august so it's going to be a much needed break i'm going to be glad to get away from it i, I do love this but Sometimes it's a little too, a little, it's a little much. I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. But uh, Ian, thank you for being on. Uh, What are your socials before we go? Yes. uh, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter all at G Gator G. Okay. That's where you can follow Ian. You can follow us at, at hater, hater underscore radio for Twitter X for Instagram threads and TikTok for YouTube. It is, uh at hater radio for facebook it is uh hater radio cfb uh hater radio one at gmail.com is our email uh please follow us like subscribe all that it helps us out so much um we appreciate all of you you know it's been such a great year and we look to finish this out enjoy these games and uh if i i forgot to say this but Merry Christmas to everyone. It was just the other day and happy new year as well. And we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon.